You're listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast with your host, Jessica Hawks, where we get honest about all things entrepreneurship, balancing life and business, and navigating the world in a digital age. Welcome back to another episode of Digital State of Mind. We have a guest today who is one of my closest friends and also my business partner. So we are constantly talking and (laughs) around each other anyway, but a lot of you will know her and you love her. So we thought it would be fun to have her on the podcast so you can learn a little more about her story. So we have Erin Mortensen, who is half of Digital Millennials, if anyone has done our masterclass. So Erin, I would love it if you would just go ahead and tell us all about you, what your story is, how you found the online space, all of that good stuff. Yay! Um, First of all, thank you so much for having me, Jess. I absolutely love doing this. Um, Yeah, Jess and I chat all the time, and it's so nice when you have someone who you can have these conversations with about business and life and all the things in between, and so we are both just very lucky in that sense. Um, So hi, yes, my name is Erin, and I am a business coach for people who are wanting to start online, very similarly to Jess, um, which is why we have our joint program together, the Digital Millennial Masterclass. And, you know, for me, the reason I started working online was because, well, for a lot of reasons, but the main one was freedom. You know, like throughout my entire life, I was taught to go to college, you know, get the degree, do all the things, then retire. Then you get to live the cool life where you get to travel more and do all the cool things. And I just wasn't buying it, you know, throughout my entire 20s. I'm talking like from 21 to 28 I did anything and everything I could to figure out how the F to get out of the corporate world. I did MLM after MLM. I mean, literally like four different MLMs. Um, this I, LuLaRoe over here. <laughs> I almost did LuLaRoe and I'm so happy I didn't because that would have been just the icing on the cake of my MLM journey. Um, I, you know, I tried, I tried them all so, and I tried them hard. Like I didn't just sign up and then quit. Like I, tr- I signed up, I went to the conferences, I went to the meetings, we would have like cold call sales parties, like with the girls on my team, and we'd all get into a room and cold call, like actually call people at our contact list and be like, hey, it's been a while since we talked, but like, are you interested in buying protein powder? Like that's literally what I did to try and work online. It was so (laughs) brutal. Um, You know, I bought blogging courses, like I tried two different blogs. One of them was called The Quarter Life Crisis. (laughs) Like it was like a blog on like, when you don't know what to do with your life. Um, one of them was like an attempt, a failed attempt at a travel blog. I mean, and then I bought a $5,000 course that taught me how to teach courses or create courses. And I literally was looking around at other people because I didn't have any skills that I thought I could offer online. So I was going to my boyfriend who was a personal trainer at the time saying like, Hey, I'm going to use your knowledge to create a course. And he was like, that sounds weird. And then I was talking to my mom who's a realtor and I was like, Hey mom, I'm going to, you know, take your knowledge as a realtor and create a course that teaches people how to sell their homes on their own. And she was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> she's like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, what, what does this even mean? I literally tried all these different things. And you know, I, 
I wasn't finding any success with any of them, but I, but I also wasn't giving up, you know, which I think is an important theme that we both talk about a lot. It's like, you got to keep on going, right? Like this was literally eight years of trying and failing all these different ventures. And, you know, if I had given up after each and every one of those, you know, we wouldn't be here today. And so the ultimate, you know, push towards me becoming a virtual assistant and actually finding success online was, you know, and Jess, I know you've heard this story a million times at this point, but I went on a vacation, you know, when I was uh, in 2018 with my boyfriend and it was the first vacay we had taken ever together after being together for like four years. And when we came back from the vacation, you know, I wasn't happy. I wasn't like, yay, that was an awesome vacation. In fact, I was more unhappy than I was before I left because it really just became very clear to me that like, you don't get to live this way for more than seven days a year. Like your life is so consumed by your obligations to work for other people that you don't get to go out there and just go on a vacation when you want or take time off when you want or sleep in because you had a bad night, you know, the night before or anything like that. And I realized like, holy crap, this, like I saw other people working online. I saw other people vacationing. I saw other people making good money. And I realized like my journey isn't over yet. Just because I failed at all the other things doesn't mean that, you know, I can't still figure it out. So that's when I hired a business coach. I saw I saw the people living the life that I wanted to live. I hired a business coach. Um, you know, I knew that I needed someone to hold my hand through the journey. And through that, you know, we decided that I would become a virtual assistant. I started my business. I grew very quickly. Um, you know, I became a business coach. We met. You killed it in your business. We formed the Digital Millennials. And that's basically how we got to this point today. <laughs> I love it. What year was that that you signed up with your business coach online? It was early 2019. So about, I think, February 2019. And then I started my business. And then very shortly, like the week that I started my business, I started on a Monday. I officially launched on a Monday and I got fired from my corporate job on a Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Which honestly was the best thing that ever happened to me. I know a lot of people have lost their jobs in recent times. And I I know that a lot of times it can feel like the end of the world, but I truly feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, when one door closes, another one opens. And if you're in that position where your, you know, future that you thought you had seems to have been ripped out from underneath you, it's a sign. (laughs) It's it's a sign. Yeah. I think that, that we've seen that a lot of times that whenever people are in the process of having that mindset shift where it's like, okay, I'm actually doing this. I'm actually going to start my business. It's funny because so many times something else will happen in their life mm-hmm. that makes it so that they're like, okay, well now I have to start my business. I have to yeah. do this. It's like the universe kind of aligns you with that mindset shift, which is really cool. Yeah, a hundred percent. And honestly, I think that it really is for the better. I mean, I, I don't think anything um, is a coincidence. You know what I mean? And so often, so many people will be like, I just decided to start my, my VA business and I suddenly lost my job. And it's like, well, yeah, because you've decided that you want to make room for something else. And the mm-hmm. universe, as woo-woo as we want to get, the universe knows that like maybe you can't handle both at the same time. So it's going to make that room for you. So yeah, I, yeah. I totally think that it's such a sign for what yeah. you're supposed to be doing. I agree. So uh, I want to, I think this is going to be an interesting topic for us to talk a little bit about because we get asked all the time and you just mentioned it, but we always get asked if being a virtual assistant or starting your business online is an MLM. (laughs) Um, You know, (laughs) that's like probably one of our number one questions and definitely one of my number one of my TikTok comments. Um, So, you know, 
you've been in MLMs before. I mm-hmm. I honestly didn't even know what an MLM was until like last year, I think. <laughs> I, I had known of like Avon and Mary Kay and all of these yeah. random businesses, but I didn't really realize the structure of them or what an MLM was or how, how badly so many people think of them. And, you know, I think that now at this point, Aaron and I are both pretty – far apart from that world, but people often think that we're very intertwined in it because of, I think it's a lot of the language, you know, MLMs, they have like the coaching language and with the business industry online, that's, it's the same terms. A lot of the terminology is very similar. So do you want to talk about some of the differences that you saw between working in an MLM versus starting your own business? I would absolutely love to. I mean, so first of all, I mean, this is coming from someone who literally did four MLMs. Okay. So like I truly have been in the MLM world. And the thing with MLMs is there's, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, everyone's different. And like, I totally respect that. There's a lot of like boss babe energy in the MLM world. And again, that is okay. If you love boss babe energy, go for it. That is, that's awesome. Um, For me, I never really was able to find that to be something that helped me want to move forward. For me, it felt a little bit forced at times. It felt a little bit like I had to sort of drink the Kool-Aid, if you will. Um, and that was a sort of difficult place for me to be in because I'm not a good salesperson. I'm not someone who was born to sell. When you join an MLM, um, you know you are signing up to sell someone else's products and recruit people to do the same thing that you are doing. Meaning like you're not only making money because you sold products, you're making money because you've convinced other people to also sell products. And then you are getting a portion of the people who you've recruited income. So there, so that's why people call it a pyramid because if I'm up here and I recruit Jess to sell underneath me, I'm also getting a portion of Jess's income. And so that's an MLM. And um, truthfully, you know, Sometimes, sometimes people are successful with them. You know, I've worked with people who have been like pulling in 5k plus months from MLMs. Um, they're really difficult to get to that place though. They are really difficult to get to a point where you've recruited, you know, 50 plus people on your, on your downline and continuing to do that and continuing to find that success as a virtual assistant, you are literally an independent contractor. Virtual assistants are more like realtors than they are like MLM people. And I'll explain what I mean by that. When you become a realtor, you are an independent contractor, you go and you sell a home and you get you know paid for your services and helping to sell that home. Um, when you're a virtual assistant, it's the same thing. You are literally providing a service and you're getting paid just for that service. You're not getting any additional things here or there. You're not recruiting other people to become a VA. You're not doing anything like that. I think where people associate being a virtual assistant with being an MLM is number one, it sounds too good to be true. Um, that's, that's a very common thing with MLMs. This is too good to be true. And unfortunately with MLMs, a lot of times it is. I actually, when we were talking about LuLaRoe the other day, I looked at their, they actually posted their income earnings and it said like less than 0.5% of people make over $10,000, I think per year. Oh my <laughs> it was, God. It was a really crazy stat. I'd have to look it up to, wow. to, to say it right, but it was something really ridiculous like that. Like very, very, very few people actually make the income that, that they promote. Um, right. Whereas when you are a virtual assistant, you are literally selling your own services. You are providing a service to help someone grow their business, maintain their business, you know, do the things that they don't have time to do. Um, so I think that number one, that's where it seems like an MLM, it's too good to be true. I think two, seeing the quick turnover from virtual assistant to coach 
is another thing that makes people think that, oh, in order for me to be successful, I just have to go into coaching. Um, that is something that's a struggle across the entire coaching industry is people going into coaching too quickly or thinking that coaching is the only way to make money because it's not. As a virtual assistant, you can make money, you know, first of all, as a VA. We both know VAs who have made well over 10, 15K plus. I actually know one who who was making over 20K months, you know, after running an agency. Um, So you can absolutely make really, really good income as a virtual assistant or just a general service provider. Um, Number two, you can grow into other offers such as VIP days or agencies or things like that that are helping you, you know, make those high, high income months. Um, coaching, yeah, of course you make money with it, but it's an entirely different business. It is so different. Um, it's an entirely different ball game. And so I think that people just assume that that's the only way for you to make really good money. And oftentimes they get into it a little bit sooner than they're prepared for it. Um, and I think that's what makes people think that, you know, it's more of an MLM because they see people go into it very quickly. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with both of those points. I think that it's it can be really difficult because a lot of times you don't really see coaches are kind of at the forefront of things because the biggest part of their business is marketing to the masses. You know, that's where, like, for example, with my TikTok, I'm able to market to millions of people who were maybe in my position or who are going through similar things or in my age group or whatever. Whereas with the people who have scaled their business to become an agency or to become, you know, whatever it is, a marketing specialist, any of those kind of branches that you can take to really start to scale your income, they're marketing to those business owners and the people who need those services. So because of that, people really only see coaches as their only option. And I think that it definitely does lead to what you were talking about, people going into it prematurely, because I think that I think there's definitely a, a misconception that being a coach is easy, that it's just like a quick way to make money. And I think that yeah. you and I both know that that is 100% not the case at all. I, it's, it, it's literally, there's so many facets to it. You know, it's the, the mental <laughs> capacity that you have to have to do it. It's the emotions that are involved if you are, you know, a good coach who actually cares about the success of your students. Right. So I would love to hear your perspective on what you think makes a good business coach. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I always say first and foremost is you have to walk the walk before you talk the talk. You and I both scaled our businesses, you know, well past 5K, you know, 8K months. And so we were able to be like, okay, not only do we know how to get you through the beginning phases or stages of your business, but we also know how to get you to this higher income level, right? A lot of times people, I think they might go into coaching um, prematurely because they experience burnout too. They're like, I'm tired of trying to make it work as a virtual assistant. Let me try to go into coaching. But the thing is, you need to be able to help someone get through all the different stages of their business. So when you when you start coaching after making you know 2K months, that's okay. Like I'm not telling you that you can't coach, but I am saying you are limiting yourself with your ability to how far you can help someone get through their business. Um, so first of all, I think you know you need to walk the walk before you talk the talk. Um, you have to have accomplished what you're telling your clients you can help them accomplish. You have to have gone through the highs and the lows. I think the lows are honestly more important than the highs because if you haven't gone through a time where every one of your sales calls said no, or you struggle to, you know, make a high income month or you struggle to make any money at all. Like, I feel like if you haven't gone through those things, um, it's harder to relate to your clients when they are struggling too. 
So I think you need to have gotten, you know, accomplished what you're trying to help others accomplish and also have gone through the ups and downs of, of the, you know, process. And then I just think you really need to be relatable and, and empathetic. You know, a lot of times as coaches, we start to forget what it was like because we become so far removed. So like a few years later, after you've stopped doing what you're helping other people now do, you might forget what your first sales call was like, or what your first, you know, client was like, or what your first, you know, client who, who fired you was like, you might forget all those things. And I think it's really important to, to always remember to always keep yourself in that, in that position so that you can still relate to them. You can still empathize with them because if you forget what that's like, you're just going to be writing people off and that's not going to be able to help them. Yeah, I agree. One of the, I remember you told me this a long time ago where we were talking about this and you said that in order to be a coach, you have to understand the why of what you're doing. And I think that that's so important because it it's really easy whenever you are going through different courses and starting to build up your own business, you start to kind of intake all of this knowledge and then you have that knowledge sitting there. And there's a difference between applying knowledge and that turning into experience within your business and having a deep understanding of it versus simply just knowing that knowledge and then being able to regurgitate it to someone else. And I think another aspect of what makes someone a really good coach is being able to understand the whys of situations because you are going to have students working with you who are going through things that are completely different than what you've gone through. Mm -hmm. And if you have that base understanding of why we do things this way, what are the ethical ways? What are the ways that are going to make your business actually sustainable? Why do we do this for our clients? Why is this the experience we provide? You're able to take that knowledge and then apply it to different situations to help them work through that and get to the desired outcome versus just having this list of information that you're regurgitating to other people about the facts right. of what you're doing. Right. Exactly. It's like a really good example of this is think of like a, um, a fitness instructor, right? You can look up so many different workouts online, right? Like you can absolutely look, figure out whatever sort of workout you want to do. But if I learn a workout from a fitness instructor and I, as someone who has not helped other people go through this journey or, you know, I'm not qualified necessarily to help others. And I just regurgitate to you, Jess, like, oh, hey, here's this, here's this thing I'm doing. And you're not seeing the same results. I'm, I'm going to have no idea how to explain to you why you're not seeing the results, because I've just taken a copy and paste approach to your journey. Right. And so that's why it's so important, you know, that they walk the walk before they talk the talk, because um, you can't just give someone information and not be able to explain to them why, how, you know, how to work through if it's not working necessarily, like any of those things. So um, it's really important that, you know, you, you do your due diligence when you are hiring a coach and make sure that they have done the things that you are asking them to help you do. Yep. You got to look at those, look at those testimonials, scroll back on their profile and look at the, the dark ages <laughs> of where they were. Like I will say, it, it doesn't necessarily mean like a new coach is a bad thing because we were both new coaches mm -hmm. at one point, right? So I'm not saying like mm -hmm. you have to write off anyone who's new, but I am saying when you are talking to someone who you're hoping to hire, ask them their story, ask them how they got to where they got to, ask them to talk to, you know, some of their past VA clients even and make sure that they actually have, have done the work that they are claiming that they've done. Yeah, totally. So you started your business in the online space, or you really started entering the online space in early 2019. I found you in late 2019, and I was stalking behind the scenes for a long time, and then I officially started in the beginning of 2020. So do you feel like 
the online space is more accessible now than it was whenever you first found it in 2019? Yeah. I mean, I think that with the pandemic, so many people figured out how to work online, right? Whether it's like people who found us and started their businesses as service providers, or whether it's people who had brick and mortar businesses and realized they needed an online portal of some sort or an online offer. Um, I think that so, so many people are now present in the online space, if you will. And therefore, I think that, you know, just the amount of resources, the amount of clients available, everything is just in total abundance. And so I know a lot of people are afraid of things like oversaturation, but I actually think that there's never been a better time to, you know, join the online space. It's kind of like, I still feel like we're in like the early stages of like, remember back the internet boom or whatever, you hear all these stories about people who like started working on the internet right when it uh, came out and they're all bajillionaires now. I still feel like we are in the beginning stages of the online service-based world, the online coaching world, service providers, um, courses, like all those things. I still think we're in the very early stages of that. I think so too, because I really had no knowledge of it. I, I mean, I've grown up being surrounded by technology and social media and all these things. I didn't know that that world existed. I knew that there were like vintage shops and, you know, these random things on Instagram. But whenever I found your profile and then started finding other people that worked online, I was just appalled by what I was seeing because I had no clue it existed. And there's still so many people that have no clue that it exists and are just like mind blown whenever they find it. So I think that that just goes to show how how unaware people are of the industry. And, and that goes to show that it's just not very publicized right now, even though it is growing rapidly. Oh, yeah. 100%. I had... Um a close friend say in a not trying to be offensive, but just like, I th- I feel like your, your business feels fake to me. And like, I don't think they were trying to say anything mean, but they were just like, I'm really struggling to comprehend what the heck it is that you do. <laughs> and a lot of people are like that. And that's one of the reasons why we often say, you know, if you're in this world and people in who aren't in this world, aren't understanding what you're doing, it's okay you know, just focus on the people who are understanding and are in this world with you, because a lot of times people just really don't get it. But um, I think it's just something that's going to continue to grow and people are going to become more aware of it as we continue, just like the website boom and the internet boom, right? People were like, what the F is that in the very beginning? And now it's just Mm -hmm. something that is in your pocket all the time. (laughs) Yep. I know. Every time someone asks me to like what I do or to explain to them what I do, I'm like, oh God. (laughs) And then then you'll start explaining and they're like, okay, I get it. So you do this and it's like completely wrong. And you're just like, yeah, 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 close enough. You're like a life coach. They'll be like, oh, is that like life coaching? And I'm like, (laughs) maybe, sure. I guess so. (laughs) She's like, yeah, whatever you, whatever you think. So what do you notice now? Because there are a lot more educators now in the online space than 2019 or even 2020. What do you notice from online educators now that is different or maybe even like the same what has stayed, you know, throughout that time difference from whenever you first started? I feel like when I first started working at, like online, there just weren't as many people as there are now. I think that's a big thing that stands out. It's like when I first started, I remember there being like, a handful of VA coaches. And now I feel like when I look around, I see them everywhere, which isn't a bad thing. You know, it it just, again, it goes with the territory of like the online space growing as a a whole. Um, So I do feel like that's grown a lot, but just as much, just as there's as many more course creators and coaches now, there is, um, there are just as many more service providers and, and people to go along with that need. Right. So I think it's important that like we, keep this sort of not scarcity mindset. Cause I think that's what people, it starts to, um, 
like stop people up is is they start to feel like there's not enough to go around, but there is, there absolutely is. Um, so that's one thing I would th- I would say that I've noticed. Um, I think too the technology is just getting better and better. Like I think that um, companies are taking notice of, and I think that companies are actually starting to acknowledge the coaching industry too. Um, back in the day, it was really clunky to like create automations. It was like you had to use Zapier for like anything and everything that you wanted to automate, and now it's like there's these all-in-one platforms that are really intuitive and really awesome and allow for coaches to run their entire businesses through this one thing um, rather than having like 10 different platforms that you're trying to run one program on. So I think that's something that's really cool that's that's happened as well. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy to see how rapid the growth takes place. Whenever you're in it, like we are, it doesn't it feels like everything's just kind of slow moving. It's the same way as when you're like in a program starting your business. You don't realize your growth until the end of it. And then you look back and you're like, oh my God, I've grown so yeah. much since then. But it is really crazy to see how quickly the online space evolves. And it's weird because I I feel like I've been in business for like five years already and it's been like a year and a half. Do you ever feel like that? All the time. I think the other day I said to Tom, I was like, I feel like this has been seven years of my life. <laughs> yeah. It's been like almost three, which is so, so crazy. But everyone says the same thing. And I think it's because not only does your business have the ability to grow so quickly when you work online, but you as a person grow so freaking fast because you just have to keep mm-hmm. up with all the different things that you go through. So like for me, for example, some of the things that I deal today, 2019 Aaron would have crumbled into a bajillion pieces, you know, but yeah. I had to grow very quickly to be able to sort of keep up with the pace of both my business and, you know, the things that were coming at me and and it's all good stuff. It's all positive growth. But um, I think because you grow so much as a person too, it feels mm-hmm. like years and years and years have passed. Yeah. Whenever I was first contemplating signing up for Aaron's program, we actually got on a call to see if it was, you know, a good fit for me and everything. <laughs> and I wish so badly that I had a recording of that call because I, I think know, it would be so funny to look back at that and see what we were like. Because I look back even at my Instagram, at my I just realized how to like look at your old archived stories or whatever. And I was looking at some of my old ones and I was like Oh, <laughs> who is that person? I was like almost cringing at myself, even though yeah. I've like grown past that now. I was like, oh my God, I can feel the self, like the insecurity and the mm-hmm. lack of confidence. I can feel it all through the screen, which is yeah. just so crazy. So it's amazing how far you come. And it's, I think that's something we deal with all the time is people being scared to have to show up on stories, have to put themselves out there publicly. And it's something that we all go through. Like any. Yeah. Any entrepreneur or business owner or person that you're looking up to right now has had those first stages where they would look back at it and be like, oh my God, I can't believe that was me. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's so crazy. Um, even your first TikTok, like you're you are so mm-hmm. different now than just that very first TikTok, which was a little over a year ago, right? Like just yeah. barely over a year ago, which is so mm-hmm. crazy. But like you've just grown and changed so much since then. I got goosebumps thinking about it. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's so it's so cool. And you know, like when I look back at my old stories and stuff too, I'm just like, I want to like give my old self a hug because I'm like, oh, like mm-hmm. you were so scared. But look at you now. You know what I mean? And I'm sure yeah. one day we'll look back on this conversation and be like, oh my God, we were such babies. You know what I mean? Like oh we're just gosh, always growing and growing and growing. And so it's a really cool thing. It's a really cool experience. And it's really cool to be able to look back because I don't know of any other time in my life, like in the corporate world, for example, I didn't feel like year after year, I was like, wow, I've grown so much since last year. Right. I never had mm-hmm. that experience. But in my own business, I'm like, holy crap, 
I'm, I've grown so much in the past three months. I've grown so much in the past two weeks. Like it's just, it's just so, so awesome to be able to witness your own growth. I know it really is. So I think that I think a lot of people would love to hear about this kind of the behind the scenes of business. So walk us through how your business has changed from whenever you first started. Just kind of give us a timeline of when you were a VA, who you were working with, to then creating a program oh, to yeah. coach other people to where you are now. Yeah. So I started as a virtual assistant and at first I, so when I, when I started my business, I did not go through a virtual assistant coaching program. So I basically had, I had a coach, but she was more to teach me that like, it's possible for me to work online. I had to figure out, I had to do the groundwork for becoming a virtual assistant myself. So when I was growing that, you know, I, I had to figure out a lot of things as I went. I didn't have things like a sales script. I didn't have someone to tell me what kind of content to post. I didn't have those things. Um, specifically for being a virtual assistant. So a lot of that I had to figure out as I went. Um, So when I first started, I started off very general. I did not have um, a specific niche that I was working with. I really was just taking any and all work that came my way, um, which I think helped me in the long run because I really didn't figure out my niche until I landed working with a business coach, at which point I realized, oh my gosh, I love working with business coaches. So for anyone who's like freaked out about niches, I think it's completely fine to start a little bit more general if you're, if you haven't figured that out yet, because I personally think that you're going to be able to figure it out from working with people who are in the niche that you end up working with. So anyway, so I I started working with business, business coaches. At that point, I was able to really scale my business because, you know, I, I mentioned I came from the corporate world. I had eight years of corporate experience, but I still didn't have the confidence to charge higher prices, to you know figure out exactly what was going on in people's businesses. I was still really nervous when I started. I had a lot of self-doubt and a lot of confidence issues to work through. So when I first started, I was charging in the, in the 30s, even though technically from the corporate world, I was worth like over $60 an hour. Um, but I wanted to gain that confidence. So I took any and every work that came my way. Um, I was really grateful for any and every work that came my way. I think that's another thing that's really important. A lot of times we set out on this journey and we're like, I got my first client, but they're only paying me 20 bucks an hour. For me, that's exactly what happened. But I was like, holy shit, someone's paying me 20 bucks an hour. That's incredible. Like people will actually pay me to work online. I didn't realize this could actually work. Um, So I really was grateful for anything and everything that came my way. When I finally landed the business coach, you know, by that time I had had experience working with different clients. I had worked with um, a dance studio. I had worked with a fitness coach. I had worked with a bundle company. I had worked with a startup. I had worked with, and then I started working with a business coach, and that's when I niched into that. So by that time, I was able to charge more. I scaled my business very quickly from that point on, and I started making my over 8K months. At that point in time, because I had hit such a high income level um, so quickly in my business, um, you know, I, I realized that there had to be other people out there who were struggling to do what I was doing. And I wanted to help them sort of figure out how to get there. So I actually had people messaging me on Instagram saying things like, hey, I've tried starting my virtual assistant business, but I'm not getting anywhere. Or how did you figure out how to work online and and things like that. So I kind of took a handful of people um, and I just started helping them. I said, hey, like, I'll help you. I've never done this before. So it's it's going to be kind of like, I don't want you to have huge expectations, but like, let's just see how this goes. And they were like, yeah, okay. I didn't charge them very much. Um, and one by one, those people all started quitting their jobs and working full-time online. So I realized like, okay, I'm on to something here. Um, so after that first round of working with people, I stopped being a BA and I went into coaching full-time and my program, the OSP training Academy was born. And it's really funny because back in the day, um, no, everyone was calling themselves VAs and DFY providers, right? Done for you providers. And when I started OSP, um, I was like, you know, 
I feel like because my very first client came to me, wanted to be a virtual assistant, but she ended up being a copywriter. So I was like, okay, I think that I can help people who are not just VAs, but more so online service providers. So I called my program the OSP Training Academy. And then a month later, after I announced that to the world, I said to my my mentor at the time, I said, I'm really embarrassed because <laughs> online service provider, when you Google it, you get like Verizon, Spectrum, <laughs> you get like legit, you get like legitimate service providers that are you know online service providers. And I was like, I'm so embarrassed that I named my program this. And she was like, don't be embarrassed. It's totally fine. You can always change it if you want to. And I was like, all right. And then fast forward to now and like everyone's calling themselves an OSP. And I'm like, okay, so maybe I was onto something. <laughs> maybe I, maybe I made the right decision there. <laughs> I started, I started the OSP movement. Um, so I named my program the OSP Training Academy, and you know, <laughs> it's so funny. Everybody's like, like... Uh, Bryson. Uh, I started the OSP Training Academy, and um, it was very, you know, it was very, um, it, it grew very organically. You know, I basically had people the same thing. They would approach me. They would say, "How did you do this?" I would, I would sign them on. And as more and more people wanted more help, I started growing the program more. I started adding more modules. I started adding more speakers. I started adding more things like that, and then. Um, you know, by the time I would say you went through the program, I think there are about 30 people in your round. And yeah, so like, so. it was, it was definitely growing steadily. And then, um, you know, after you went viral on TikTok and everyone started being like, what is this whole entire world? Like the business just continued to grow and grow. Um, and so I hired co-coaches to help me grow the program. And, you know, so I went from basically in the beginning of OSP, it was just me. And even when you were with me, it was just me. And now it's me co-coaches and I have a whole team of I think like 10 including everything mm-hmm. like accountants um you know ads people like all those things and it's and it's really it's really cool it's really incredible so yeah I yeah. would say that's been the the big the big growth um but you know what's what I think is so important and this is something that I I'm super proud of you for as well um is is just not changing who you are as a person. Like, I think that no matter how much the business has grown, no matter how much, you know, the income has grown or anything like that is, is keeping focused on what the actual goal is, which is helping people start working online. Right. I know a lot Mm -hmm. of times people will grow their audiences or grow their income or grow things like that. And they will change as people and they will start Mm -hmm. letting that get to their heads. But for me, I've always cared a lot about, you know, people will ask me like, why don't you ever talk about this? And why don't you ever talk about that? I'm like, because that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to help you start your business, not talk about, mm-hmm. you know, anything else like that. And one of the things that, that, you know, Tom and I recently talked about was how awesome it is that you are still just as cool and normal as you've been, regardless of the fact that you've grown your TikTok to like over <laughs> 700, what is it at now? 750? I think like, we're at, at 840. <laughs> I'm like, I know the Holy exact shit. number. So regardless of the fact, <laughs> you should, you should, regardless of the fact that you've grown your following to almost a million people, I have goosebumps again, just saying that, regardless of the fact <laughs> You're that you're like the queen of goosebumps. almost a million people, I always get goosebumps, but like you've still stayed who you are. And like you and I, like when we hung out, we, we still just like sat on the couch and like, <laughs> just, like, fucking, like goofed off and like were the biggest idiots ever. And I think that's a really commendable thing is that like, you know, you are still you, you're not at all conceited and you don't look at other people like they're less than. And I just think that I'm getting like teary eyed. I just think it's really cool that you have stayed true to who you are, even though you've grown so, so much. 
So. Oh, that is so sweet. I feel <laughs> I feel the same about you. I I remember like on our group calls in um, OSP, I would always be the one who was like ragging on Erin and messing with her in the. <laughs> chat so I feel like we always kind of had that dynamic but it is funny how it's kind of carried through after all this time and it's funny because I feel like you know whenever whenever I first was kind of like learning about the online space and the capabilities that people had with their income I was like oh my god I wonder what I would do with my life if I was making x amount a month and it's so funny because my life hasn't changed that much and I don't think that yours really has either like we both are just like in an apartment and (laughs) drive like (laughs) random cars it's it's just funny how even after kind of you evolve and you start making really good money online you kind of it helps because you're able to I mean it's different for everyone but you're able to really put into mind what your priorities are like you could have a business online that you start out as a virtual assistant and you maybe you want to freaking drive Rolls Royces or whatever or maybe you want to retire when you're 35 like you have so many opportunities that open up to you and you're able to then choose what you want to do with that and I think that that's that's a really really cool thing because I think that we get in our head that like, oh, once you start making, you know, really good money online or once your business starts growing, it's just more stress and more whatever you get, you know, conceited or whatever, whatever it is. But there's there's really so many ways that you can go with it. And as long as you have people who are of similar mind, have similar goals and are, you know, keeping you in check, I guess you could say, it's it's really easy to kind of build a life where you have complete freedom and you can do whatever you want with it, be that buy a freaking Rolls Royce or retire at 25. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, they say that like money basically amplifies who you already are. So it's like if you're a shitty person and you come into a lot of money, you're going to be a shittier person most likely <laughs> or just like a shitty person who now has a lot of money. But if you're a good person and you have good intentions and you have your goal isn't, you know, one of the things we always say is chase the the impact and the income will follow. And so if you're a good person and, you're tr- and your goal is to help other people and you happen to make money in the process, then you're not going to become a bad person. You're going to become a good person who's able to help more people. Um, and that's how I always try and view the income is like, okay, the more income that comes in, the more I'm able to grow the business that helps people mm-hmm. get out of the situation right. that situations that they're in currently. So um, yeah, I think that ultimately just amplifies the kind of person you are. And I think fortunately, we're both two people who are, you know, not trying to drive Rolls Royces right away and are trying to, um, you know, help other people on their journeys. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny, because a lot of the comments that I get on TikTok are of people who are kind of, I guess, maybe a little bit unfamiliar with the coaching industry. And because of yeah. that, they're used to seeing a lot of people who are, maybe taking advantage of it or putting out courses or content where it's it does come off very scammy in a way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they kind of view the whole coaching industry like that. And it's unfortunate right. because a small group of people who aren't really holding integrity within an industry can taint the whole industry itself. Right. So I think it's unfortunate that that's kind of where things are headed. But I think now that we have so many resources available – 
Like, it's not like you're just viewing an ad on a YouTube video for a coach anymore and then going straight to their website. Like, you're able right. to see their TikTok, the comments, reviews, their Instagram. You're literally able to see everything about them and the people that they've worked with, which is really your due diligence as someone who's going to be investing money into someone or any program to investigate that and see what the results are. Are they there? And and learn right. about the person before you put money into them because there are good coaches. Yeah, 100%. And that's also why we have free content as well. You know what I mean? Because like, not only do we want you to be able to um, understand, like, like trust us, but we also do want there to be options for people who are like, I can't invest right now. We deal with that a lot. And we're not, you know, yeah, of course, we want to help those people as well. And so, you know, that's why we have the, the free offer, the low ticket offer, the higher ticket offer, because there's, you know, people are all in different stages of their life and we want to be able to reach every one of those people. So you were just talking about how much your business has grown and how many people that you've brought on your team and how, how much your, your program has changed. What was it like whenever you started to hire people and grow a team and start to give over that control? Because I think that we're similar where it's really difficult for us <laughs> to do it. So it is scary. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie like I I as a VA I remember writing a lot of content about like are you afraid to give up control and are you afraid to like let go of your baby and blah 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 and like as someone who now does that I'm like oh man I really get it <laughs> why it's such a scary decision to hire people and things like that because you are giving up your baby you know this is something that you work on day in and day out and I will say even though I have a team like I definitely still do, am very <laughs> hands-on because I you know I really love what I do too, you know? And so that's another thing that, um, I think is, is important too, is, you know, that you still need to love what you do and, um, you know, still be involved in whatever way you can. Yeah. It's very hard not to be, I feel like, especially yeah, if yeah, you're 100%. of that mindset where you're like, oh, I, because it is so hard to outsource. And it's funny because I felt the same way. I was like, whenever I was in VA, I was like, these people should just trust me. Like I've, you know, given them all this content to learn why, you know, why I'm trustworthy and whatever, but it is really hard to find good people, you know, to, to work with. Like it is difficult. And I think that that's one of the reasons why this market will never become oversaturated because it can be a struggle to find someone who you get along well with, who you know, you can trust in your business, who is going to be resourceful, who, you know, it just has a really strong work ethic, that is really difficult to find. So if you can come into the online space and be that person and show to someone like, hey, I'm here to help you. I'm loyal to you. I will treat your business like my own. That goes so far. And especially with us having so many people come to us worried about starting without having the initial knowledge of different programs and everything. I would hire any day someone who had a strong work ethic who was resourceful, who was proactive over someone who knew a program that I used, like the back of their hand. I want someone who is a really good person and a good worker. So that's, and I think that you feel the same way about that too. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that, you know, it's a huge fear for people when they're first starting that they need to know everything and they need to be an expert. But it's just like Jess just said, you know, like you are capable of learning and growing and being resourceful. And I would rather have people who believe in the overall 
you know, goal of the business and the vision of the business and who are wanting to contribute in whatever way they can and make themselves resourceful and whatnot, um, then hire someone who just happens to be an expert in a specific field. You know, I do think that it's always the better decision to go with someone who really shares that vision and that dream with you. And so if you can be that person, you know, you don't need to worry about not being an expert from the beginning because no one is an expert in the beginning, right? It takes time. So it's okay. Yeah, I agree. So with starting to outsource and having so many people on your team and then also having, you know, students and different people that are relying on you, what is that pressure like of having so many people at all times relying on you to help them or to give them something or whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it does, it can feel like a lot of pressure to be in this, be in this leadership role where people are relying on you to help them grow and change and whatnot. But I think that what's important about that is that you as the leader, you know, aren't taking on more than you can handle so that you can still have that capacity. You can still have that space. You know what I mean? And so not only do I make sure that I'm available to my team so that they can rely on me when they need help, but I also make sure that like at the end of the day, you know, I'm still available to my clients. I'm still holding that space for them. I'm still able to be there when they need that support. You know what I mean? And so in terms of the pressure, I think that I think that the pressure comes more from, you know, a feeling of needing to always be on and always and not have your own time where you aren't having those moments. And one thing that I do is I I try to share that with people. So like I try not to share things in the moment because I don't want to discourage them during, during, you know, their hardships. Like I don't want to be like, Hey everyone, I'm having a really hard time. So I'm not just, I'm just not gonna be present right now. I try and at least push through so that they can still feel excited and motivated. And then I will reflect back and I'll be like, Hey, I know that you're going through this. I went through this a couple weeks ago and here's what I did. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that, that Mm -hmm. way I can still be this, this, forward-facing um, leader in in the moment, but then it can also relate to them after the fact and be like, hey, listen, it's okay because even I still to this day go through these things. Yeah. I love that because it's so true. And a lot of it's the pressure that you're putting on yourself because you, whenever you have a lot of people relying on you and you have a business that you've grown, it's the same whether you are three years into your business or whether you are three months into your business. When you own your own business and you are playing so many roles in it, there's a layer of, of pressure and responsibility that you feel that you sometimes don't feel in corporate because at the end of the day, there's usually in corporate someone above you who is you know, answering things or makes the final decision or whatever it is. And when you all of a sudden become that person, there are so many benefits to it that are absolutely amazing. But then on the flip side of that, you're starting to realize, oh boy, I'm the person who's figuring out X, Y, and Z instead of me asking someone else these questions now, which I think is why something that I struggle with a lot is asking for help. And that's something that I really just had to try to get over because in a business, if you want to be able to grow as a person and work through those things that would potentially hold you back from growing, you have to be able to admit, okay, I don't feel like I should be struggling with this because I have so many people looking to me, but I am struggling with this. So I need to look to someone else who is an expert to help me through this instead of trying to do it on my own. 
Yeah, 100%. And that's why mentorship is so incredible because it's so nice to have someone who has gone through the things that you're going through to be like, hey, I went through that too and here's how I came out on the other side. Right. And so I think that asking for help is definitely something a lot of people struggle with, you know, especially when you have reached a certain point in your business and you're like, well, do I really need help because I've already gotten this far without it? But then it's like, well, I mean, I still go to therapy, even though I've pretty much worked through the initial reasons why I started therapy, but I still go mm-hmm. just because I'm like, yeah, well, I want to make sure that I'm always staying on top of it. You know what I mean? I saw yeah. I saw a TikTok comment yesterday that was like, um, someone was talking about their therapist and this person commented and was like, I'm so glad I was able to complete therapy because of some X, Y, or Z. And someone else commented and was like, wait, people complete therapy? And I was like, yeah, I didn't <laughs> think that people actually finished therapy. I thought that it was an ongoing thing. And I feel like it's mm-hmm. the same thing with mentorship. You know, I feel like, yeah, there are different seasons for your business. There, there are going to be some times where you don't need a full-time mentor. There's going to be times where you're, where you're sort of on your own and wanting to figure it out on your, on your own. But for the most part, I do feel like it's a good thing to always be investing in yourself and learning and growing and surrounding yourself with people who have gone through what you're going through and are going after the same sort of goals. Yeah, I totally agree. I This is kind of a throwback here, but I remember whenever I was first looking at your account and stalking your profile, one of the stories that you had made was about being able to wake up in the morning and do like a morning routine and how valuable that was to you. And I was like, oh my God, I would love to be able to do that. Like it's the most simple thing, but you're, you were right in saying that so many times we just wake up and immediately start living for someone else. So what are some other things that you've noticed that you're able to implement in your life, your day-to-day life that you weren't able to before that are so valuable now that you've started a business online? I would say the biggest thing for me is my sleep schedule. I am someone who deals with a lot of anxiety, right? And a lot of my anxiety comes from lack of sleep. And when I was in the corporate world, I would literally have to go to my job on like five hours of sleep sometimes, which which me, I'm I'm the one who needs eight and a half to nine hours of sleep. Like I just need all the sleep I, I can get. And so for me, the ability to sleep in in the morning has changed my life, the way that I live every day, I'm awake now and I'm not anxious and I'm not always saying I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. Um, I don't really drink caffeine anymore. Like like that is a, that is a life changer for me. Um, yeah. The ability to make plans when I want them, you know, like the ability to just be like, hey, Jess, I'm going to get on a plane and come see you in a couple of weeks. Like, are you cool with that? Like, that's so cool. Whereas before it was like, okay, I need to go through all the hoops to take a weekend to go visit a friend. You know, like things like that just didn't exist before. The ability to get my hair done and on during the morning, like that is something yep. that's so huge. I remember like I used to have to wait for like four months to get a hair appointment on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, Wednesday at two sounds good to me. Like those are all life changing things that we really just have accepted as part of being in the corporate world. And it's just so weird to think that we give up so much of our time and freedom to work in jobs that we typically hate. And listen, if you love your job, that's great. But for me, I just never felt like it was my calling and I never felt like I loved my job. And so the fact that I was giving up so much control of of my life to do something that I didn't love doing and that I didn't see a future doing was just looking back on it. It's really mind blowing to me how much we sacrifice for other people. 
Yeah, it really is. I feel like every time I look at my schedule and I see like a midday appointment, I'm like, oh my God, this is so weird. Like I'm still <laughs> weirded out that I'm able to do that. And I, I totally agree. I'm the same way with sleep. Like I would wake up at like, I had to be in my corporate job at 7 a.m. And I would, so I would have to wake up at like six. And if I wanted to work out, I would try to wake up at five sometimes. And I literally like, there were times I was like, I would just sit on the bed and I would be like, should I call in? Should I call out of work today? Just because I hated waking up that early so much. And I think that we're both total night owls. Like whenever me and Aaron were in New York in May for oh, a photo yeah. shoot, oh, yeah. we, it was the day before our photo shoot <laughs> or the night before our photo shoot. And it was like 3 a.m. And we were both like sending each other TikToks and being like, are you still awake? Are you still awake? <laughs> and we had to get up at like 7.30 or 8 the next day. Oh my God. Uh, that was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. We were getting up real early. I was tired. Me too. I was definitely tired for that photo shoot. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's so weird how you don't realize how much you value those things. Like we just like you said, we get so used to having to get like five hours of sleep and wake up super early and then be exhausted all day and then have a limited amount of time in the evening for ourselves, which it's it's like so messed up that we think that that's just completely normal because it isn't and it's not the way that we're meant to live our lives. No, definitely not. I I actually remember like I would wake up really early so I could go to the gym. So I'd be up at like 5 a.m. I'd be at my office gym by like six o'clock. I'd do my workout. I'd shower there. I'd go to work. I'd then drive home. I'd have enough time for dinner. I'd watch a TV show and I'd go to bed. And that was most of my life. Like literally that was most of my life was, was just this, this routine that was so like unfulfilling you know what I mean like oh I get to watch a tv show and maybe say hi to my parents because I was living at home at the time and like I guess I'll see my boyfriend on the weekends and my friends like once a month and like that was it and when I look back on it it really does blow my mind how like we said we, we just are accepting of that but I think it's because for a lot of us we haven't been told that there's an alternative no one ever like taught me growing up that like hey one of these days you can own a business or like one of these days you know you can work for yourself no one ever really fostered that belief in me. And it's not anyone's fault. I just think that it's nothing, it's not something that anyone has really been taught about, right? And so that's why there's so fewer entrepreneurs than there are, you know, employees, because so few people have been taught that they can take the risk and that it is okay. I just think it's, I, I just think that it's super crazy that we have all accepted that. And, um, you know, I'm really glad that we are in the position to be able to teach people from a younger age, um, or from any age, really, that like, no, there is an alternative. You don't have to finish your college degree if you absolutely hate it. My college degree, I remember having a pit in my stomach during every single one of my classes, because I was watching what it was being taught really? to me. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I remember being like, what am I actually going to do with this? Like a lot of the kids that I graduated with, they, um, I majored in basically Inform oh, okay. It was management of information systems and technology, which is basically a data scientist. And I remember a lot of the kids who, I, who were in my graduating class or in, in my classes, because it was a smaller major at the time, being like, yeah, I have an internship at Verizon and I have an internship, you know, with Samsung and I have an internship with all these tech companies and me being like, um, I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to do after this because I have literally the most giant pit in my stomach talking about any one of these things. Um, and so it was really difficult for me to even feel excited about graduating because as soon as I graduated, I was like, 
executive assistant, let's go. <laughs> like, like I'm definitely not going to be a data scientist. I definitely want to help people just run their lives. And that's exactly what I did. And that's what I did as a virtual assistant too. So, you know, if you are in a college degree and you're graduating just to graduate, you know, you don't have to. Um, I also think that we, we do that to please other people in our lives. Uh, I spoke to someone recently who said, I want to start my business, but I'm nervous because I come from a family of accountants and I'm going to let them down if I don't follow that path. And it made me so sad for that person because I was like, so you're going to dictate the entire trajectory of your life and how you spend pretty much all of your waking moments because of what your family wants you to do rather than what you actually want to do? Like, when did we start living for other people only and not taking into consideration our own, you know, dreams and desires and the things that we want in life? And so, you know, I think that like breaking the norm is something that we talk about a lot in digital millennials. And I think that it's just something that um, I'm really proud that we've been able to help people understand that it's okay, because I think that we really need to stop living for other people and start living for ourselves. Yeah, I agree. It is. And that's with really so many facets of your life. We do that. We focus on what other people want or what we think will make other people happy. And at the end of the day, sure, maybe other people around you are proud of things that you've accomplished or whatever, but they're not, that's not making you happy. And that's what matters in the long run. It's like at the end of the day, when you're alone with yourself, which is the person that you always have with you, are you going to be proud of the decisions you've made and the things that you've gone for? Or are you going to be sitting there with some regrets about what you decided not to do or what you decided to quote unquote waste time in? I mean, I don't really, I think that every decision that you make leads you on a certain path and and makes you who you are in the present moment. But I think it's very important to just look at what your goals are. Like some people are totally happy with being in a nine to five or, you know, whatever it is, there's definitely some jobs where you need college. But at the same time, I think we put way too many, way too much pressure on people who are a very young age. Like whenever I was 18, 19, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was so completely lost. And to think that I could have potentially spent, you know, three more years of my time at college getting a degree for something that I didn't even really wasn't interested in at all is mm-hmm. just so mind blowing to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, by the time so I failed out of college my first year, um, because I struggled a lot with partying, I struggled a lot with, um, you know, just uh, substance abuse. And, you know, I had a really bad eating disorder. And so for me, like at 18, like I just straight up failed out of college. And so by the time I went back to college, you know, after I'd gotten treatment and gotten into a better place in my life, I was I had a few couple more years um, under my belt than perhaps some of my friends who were in school. And so I then at that point was able to sort of like, decide with a better sort of lens, if you will, what I wanted to major in. And the reason I chose management of information systems and technology was because of a Forbes article that basically I I Googled, you know, because when I was 18, I went to school just to, you know, go and have fun in my mind. I didn't know that I was actually supposed to like be doing all the the things to to become a real human after I graduated. Um, So by the time I went back and had that experience that I had, I I was Googling, you know, what majors make the most money? And this Forbes article told me business, you know, information systems and, te- and technology. So my entire future was based off of a Forbes article. And <laughs> like, it's so crazy. And, and for me, you know, even at that age, like, it's kind of sad when you think about the fact that like, I wasn't even going after something that I was passionate about. If I could have gone after something I was passionate about, I would have majored in like, musical theater or something like that. But no, everyone told me like, no, you have to get a degree that's going to make you money. And so 
that's why I majored in that. And yuck, like I just did not enjoy it at all, but I pursued it because I was told that that's how I had to, you know, make money and, and do all the things. Yeah. And I remember like, you know, I was, I was newly in my relationship with Tom at the time. And I remember him saying things like, um, you know, oh, you're going to be a CEO one day. And like, I'm so proud of you because like I had this really intense major that was like super confusing, I guess. And it's funny because nowadays, like we'll talk about my college journey and I'll be like, yeah, but I always knew you'd be a CEO. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, just not in data science. Like just not in what we originally thought. Um, I used to like I brag feel- about it, make myself sound smart. Like, yeah, I'll be a data scientist one day. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, never. <laughs> I-, I feel like the only other job you would like as much as what you do right now is like working at Disney or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, please, we're we're not we're not we're still holding out hope that one of these days <laughs> you get a partnership. Pursue, yes, I can pursue my passion of uh, being a Disney princess. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> you're just kidding. in the go- like the goofy costume all day. Like, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I freaking love, I love musicals and all that stuff. Um, but you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I think that one of the cool things about too, like just having your own business is that, you know, we even know people who have started their businesses as virtual assistants, service providers, et cetera. And that gives them the freedom to also pursue their other dreams. You know what I mean? Yes, like, yeah. because now they don't have to balance a nine to five while going to auditions and things like that. Now, they have total control over their schedule and they just go do those things when they, when they want to. And that is, that to me is so freaking cool because, know. you know, if I could take myself back in time that I absolutely would have done something like that. So I think it's really, really cool that we're able to help people do things like that as well. I know it totally is. I had a previous student who worked at, <laughs> she worked for NASA and what? she went through my program. I know she worked for NASA. She was in school getting her master's in some like crazy field that is way above my head. <laughs> and she was a VA. Like she was doing all three. And she was like, yeah, I just really like doing this on the side, but I also mm-hmm. love working at NASA. So I'm going to do both. Like you totally have the capability to start your own business while you're in college or while you're in while you're working at another job that maybe you like or you want to pull back from a little bit or whatever. There's so many different options. It's your business. You can make it your own. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I love that so much that so many people have been able to even just like make more money doing this on the side. Like that's things like that are just so valuable and just not something that I ever thought of when I was, you know, younger, I suppose, and and trying to navigate my way through the corporate world. Um, so I love that so many people are making like legit money, um, whether they're full time, whether they're doing yeah, side hustle, whatever it is. Um, it's just such a cool thing to be able to, to be a part of. I agree. It is really cool. Um, so what would your advice be to anyone who is looking to join the online space, but is maybe nervous? So, I mean, I got a couple of, of little nuggets, you know, up, up there, <laughs> but I would say for the first, the first one that always stands out to me, because wh- whenever I put myself back in, in my, sh- my own shoes of prior to starting, I was really afraid of being judged. And even though I had graduated 10 high school, 10 years prior to starting my business, I, for some reason, could not stop thinking about the people from high school and what are they going to see, say about me if they find my profile and what are they going to, you know, what's the narrative going to be and, and all the things. And, you know, one of the things that I always say is just, you know, no one who's ever doing more than you is going to put you down. And if you follow me or you know who I am, you've heard me say that a bajillion times, but it's just so important because 
it's something that held me back in a lot of things in life for very long was the fear of other people's opinions of me. But then I realized that like people who are out there living their best lives and killing it in their businesses and, you know, doing whatever, they don't care about what someone else is doing. Only people who are intimidated by your ability to put yourself out there or who are insecure about their own decisions in life, only people who are doing less than you are the ones who are going to judge you or put you down in any sort of sense. And at the end of the day, who cares about the opinion of someone who is doing less than you, right? I don't. Um, it's something that we, we talked about recently with trolls, right, Jess? Like, because I know mm-hmm. you deal with trolls on TikTok and it's just like, yeah. who who are trolls actually? Like, they're, they're typically kind I of- know sad you gotta feel bad for them yeah right exactly sad it is it is and so if you are afraid of that of that judgment trust me no one who's doing more than you is ever going to judge you only those who are doing less um I also think that if you're afraid that you aren't an expert or that you don't have enough experience or anything like that you do you just have to figure out what it is I don't care if you're 17 or if you're 50 years old you have experience that is going to help you work online it's just, it's just a matter of, of figuring out what it is and, and explaining to people how you can bridge the gap from you know your experience to how you're going to help them in their business. So for example, if you're young and you've never had a serious job, that's okay. You still have passions. I've taken my experience of or my, my passion for social media and I've decided to help people run their businesses. Or if you're older and you're like, well, all these youngins are working online. It doesn't matter. I've taken my years of experience and I'm able to utilize that to help you run your business. Age is just a number, right? And and there are so many things that you can do no matter what age you are to help people online. And it's really just a matter of getting behind that and believing in yourself. Um, so those would be like my two biggest things, you know, because those are the ones that I hear the most are that people are afraid that they don't have enough experience or they're afraid that, you know, of what other people are going to say about them. And I just think those are sad reasons to not start. I think if you want to do something, you should do whatever it is that you have in your power to make that happen. Yeah, we've had people in our classes, in both our masterclass and our private coaching programs that are range from like 16 years old to like 55 years old. Mm -hmm. It is never too early or too late to start. It makes me so sad whenever I see people thinking that they're too old to pivot or that they are too young to be able to get started with something like this. Both of those come with their own pros. Like there are definitely pros to both. And it's it's just, it's never, ever too late to change. We've talked about it before, how the CEOs of all these major companies, some of them didn't start until they were like 55, 60. What is it? The KFC one? Correct. <laughs> yeah. Like Colonel, 62? He was 65. Colonel Sanders was yeah, 65 so when he got KFC to finally get um, approved by investors. And like, he became a billionaire, I think. Like, like it's just, you know, we tie, and, and listen, I'm someone who's guilty of that too. Like, I, when I was turning 30, <laughs> was so like freaked out about turning 30. I was like, there goes my youth and like, oh my God, you know, like all the things. And, and now I'm like, who am I kidding? Like thirties is still young. Forties. We are always new 20. 30 is the new 20 baby. And I'm, I'm, (laughs) and I got to tell you, I'm already loving it. And so, so I get people who are, you know, even in their thirties and they're like, well, you know, I'm not 25. So maybe I shouldn't start my business. I'm like, are you kidding me? No, you should still start your business because now you're an amplified 25-year-old, really. That's all it is. When people are like, yep. do you feel like a different age? I'm like, I feel like a 29-year-old with more experience. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm halfway uh, <laughs> five more years. I'll be 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, and so I like age really is just a number, you know. There's a um there's a slogan at a local restaurant slash bar by where I live now, and it says, um, 
youth has no age. And I love that because I'm like, yeah, you can be youthful and live in that, in that state of mind for as long as you want. It's more of a state of mind than anything else. I love it. I love it. It's like my dad, he's freaking 69 years old and he's running like marathons. I'm like, that's amazing. It's just completely changed my perspective on what, because it's kind of like you always are, you know, having parents that have, whenever they have kids later in life, that's always a fear in your head is like, right. Oh gosh, they're getting older. That's constant panic about it. But I'm like, my dad's probably healthier than me. And he started running like (laughs) a couple years ago. He's already done that. It's so never it's, too late. Yeah, it's never too late and you're never too old, right? Like that's something that I that I always love um, you know, just keeping in mind is that you can always change things, you can always turn things around. And another one of my favorite expressions slash quotes, whatever you want to call it, is don't cling to a mistake just because you've spent a long time making it. And what yeah. I mean by that is like a lot of people will be like, well, I want to start my business, but I already got my degree in this, or I already have my master's. I worked so hard to get my master's and I got to tell you, my partner, Tom, he literally is a doctor of physical therapy. And guess what? He works with me now. He does not practice anymore um, because, you know, he realized that although he has a passion for what he was doing, the lifestyle wasn't what he wanted. You know, he didn't want to be stuck in that nine to five grind as well. And so just because you've spent a long time doing something doesn't mean you need to continue doing it. It is okay to change. Nothing's ever permanent. It's just a matter of you making that decision and you make allowing that to be okay with yourself yeah tom would rather be dragged all over new york by us anyway (laughs) (laughs) yeah tom tom tom's having the good life he loves it (laughs) tom is such a trooper i was like i don't i don't know that i've met many people that are as patient as tom (laughs) tom has the emotional intelligence of like oh my gosh he's he's the most emotionally intelligent person i know he was he was uh sam was over one day and he was he was talking to us about um something and she turned to me and she was like, what is it like to be with someone who is as emotionally intelligent? (laughs) I was like, it's special. It's definitely very special. (laughs) Well, if any of you have joined our master classes or are thinking about joining our master class, Tom helps us with those and he's a moderator. And every time he sends something in the chat, I'm like, oh my God, go Tom. (laughs) I know. I know. I love it so much. Because the first time he did it, we weren't expecting him to be so heartfelt. We thought he was just going to be marking questions and whatnot. And then he started actually answering people. And I was like, oh my God, I know. Like, he's doing such a good job. I know. I was so impressed. I felt like I'm like proud big sister or something. I know. I know. And then at the end of the class, everyone's always like, yay. So we do like a reveal and we're like, well, here's Tom. And everyone's like, yeah. oh my God. They like him more than us. Yeah. They're like, like people will be in the chat like, this is now a Tom Stan chat. And we're like, all right, focus everyone. I love it. Well, this was uh, this was so fun, Erin. I I feel like every we, we talk all the time, but I feel like every time we talk we find Mm -hmm. out new things about each other or come into new conversations which is really fun and then we're about to go on instagram live soon too so (laughs) it's a double win i'm like i just spend my whole day with you and i love it (laughs) we just play the repeat of this and like mouth along to it (laughs) just 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 listen to this okay bye (laughs) neither of us are on screen it's just playing in the background (laughs) technical issues included I love it. We're so weird. (laughs) Well, Erin, tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Of course. Yes, you can find me. I am at Erin.more on Instagram. Stay tuned. One of these days, my TikTok will get up and running. (laughs) But until then, um, you can find me on Instagram and my website, (laughs) ErinMort.com. I love it. Thank you for coming on. 
Thank you for having me. You're the best. Of course. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Jessica Hawks, and I am so happy to have you here. Follow along with us on Instagram at The Digital State of Mind so that we can stay connected with you and get your feedback on what you want to hear on the show. I know everyone says this, but we're serious, okay? (laughs) Talk to you next time.